1: So on today's podcast I've got something a little bit different. We've got Simon Danchuk um, who I met just about a week ago. Uh, We had a really good chat uh, in central London uh, about various topics. I had a little bit of lunch with Rob uh, and we thought it would be uh, particularly good to to, to get him on the show uh, because he used to be an MP Uh, and he's got loads and loads of views, lots of in-depth knowledge. So Simon, welcome.
0: Thank you. It's great to be here.
1: So Tell us a little bit about uh, your days as an MP, Simon, um, what, what, what you did before and what made you want to become an MP.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd wanted to be an MP from the age of about 15 actually. Mm. So I got uh, the political bug, as, as some people do, uh, and then I eventually stood when I was 25 to be a councillor in Blackburn, uh, lost. So I stood again when I was 27 did eight years as a counsellor, but then I developed a business, market research, that's my background, sociology, social research, political research, set up an agency of my own, stepped back from the council to focus on business, quite unusual for a labour MP actually to have a business background, Uh, but when I got into my mid-40s I was running this agency that I'd set up and I thought if I don't try to be an MP at this age then I'm going to miss the opportunity. So around two thousand and five, two thousand and six, I started looking for a parliamentary seat to fight, and I chose uh, Rochdale, and the the Labour Party members there chose me as their candidate, and I fought it in twenty ten. So that was the lead up to it.
1: So you were you were a Labour Party councillor, were you all, all the way through? Yeah. Um, and and what sort of really galvanised your motivation for, for doing that? you know, was it purely altruistic, you want to help people? Or what, what?
0: Yeah, and that is what I enjoyed both as an MP and as a counsellor. Yeah. I got a lot of satisfaction from helping solve people's problems or... Being able to come up with solutions and trying to get, you know, uh, civil servants or council officials to do what they should do yeah. uh, correctly for, for, for people, and so that's a particular aspect of it that I enjoyed. I'm from a very very poor family, uh, so ideologically, I had some inclination to want to, you know, improve the lot of people who've who've not had it so good, uh, or who've been vulnerable. That's what got me ideologically interested in politics. Uh, I'd read loads of George Orwell as a young guy. Uh, perhaps oddly, but, you know, a bit of an anorex when it came to politics, never really done sport or football, just done politics. So that was my thing, and uh, and it grew on me, and I thought, I need to do it, yeah.
1: Brilliant. Um, so business, market research, a um, little bit of polling in there as well? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so did that come, uh, you know, when you were sort of already in politics as a counsellor? Were you using it as, as, as a sort of mechanism to, to, to work out how to, you know, re- retain your seat and, and get a better seat?
0: Yeah I've, yeah, I've always sort of cross-combined the sort of hobbies and work and interests uh, together. And so the setting up, I, I, I left school at 16, uh, worked in a factory, but then I went to university as a mature student in my 20s. And I did a, did a degree in sociology and learnt the whole variety of research methods, as you mentioned, opinion polling, focus groups, all that sort of thing. Uh, did various jobs in that sort of area and then set up my own agency based in uh, Manchester, which I ran for 11 years. Uh, and you're right, some of the experience in local government uh, as a councillor helped me win clients uh, for the agency after I stopped being a councillor because I understood a lot of our clients became local government, uh, local authorities. Uh, so there's a lot of cross pollination between all of this. Uh, we did a lot of uh, opinion polling for political parties, things like that. So the day job related to the interest in politics and vice versa.
1: And I suppose you you then sort of picked somewhere like Rochdale because you thought perhaps, um, I, I presume geographically it wasn't too far away, but also you know maybe it was a a safer seat or it was easier to uh, get enough votes you know so I presume you were quite tactical with it
0: well yeah there's a there's a couple of points first of all it's I I needed a seat that where I spoke their language yeah so as you can tell I'm not from the south of England yeah yeah. Uh, it would have been difficult for me to go for a seat somewhere outside Greater Manchester Lancashire really I didn't have a a strong you know support in the party overall yeah Uh, I wasn't a national figure within the yeah, party, yeah. uh, it had been difficult to get a seat on Merseyside, for example. I'm not yeah. a Scouser, you know, so that defined some of it. Uh, and I can relate to a Rochdale yeah. seat. You I know. can imagine they
1: they might be quite suspicious of outsiders, which would probably give you a uh, an advantage as well. Yeah, quite yeah. possibly. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: but the other thing with Rochdale though was that it was a Liberal seat. Yes. it was held by oh, a Liberal. Right. Uh, yeah. yes. in 20 2005, they yeah. took it from Labour. Uh, Paul Royne was the Liberal Democrat MP. Yeah. Uh, and then I beat him in 2010. So I brought it back to Labour. Yeah. And I quite like that challenge as well. I do like a challenge.
1: Yeah. yeah. And 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 sort of linked to that, you've exposed a few people. Um yeah. you know the, the Rochdale sort of grooming scandal yeah. you were right in the middle of exposing that. Yeah. And then I wonder if your um your sort of um success in in, in gaining that seat from the Lib Dem MP was that sort of linked to the Cyril Smith stuff as well, because you, you exposed him in Parliament?
0: I did, and, uh, but that was two years after I'd been elected. Subsequent. Yeah, but I, I heard about Smith, uh, who, who was proven has been proven to, to have been a paedophile. I've written a book about that, Smile for the Camera, The Double Life of Cyril Smith, which exposes him completely. Uh, but the Liberal Democrats were in denial about it. Uh, but as soon as I arrived in Rochdale around two thousand and six, people would mention it. I mean, it was known in the town. There's no doubt about that. That Cyril Smith had been the MP from nineteen seventy two to nineteen ninety two, and he, he yeah, and he would abuse children, and that was known. Uh, but it never really got aired until in twenty twelve uh, we'd have the S- Jimmy Savile uh, scandal. Uh, I'd had more victims of Cyril Smith come forward and I made a speech which outed him as a paedophile in Parliament and you have parliamentary privilege uh, and you're able to do that uh, and then more evidence came forward and, and now it's proven beyond belief that, it, that, that he did what he did. But the Liberals were in denial about it as, uh, as recently as 2012 for sure.
1: In denial but you know, there's all these people saying the same thing yeah. so deep down at least l- sort of local. Um, representatives of the party, they must have known. Uh, And it's just bizarre, isn't it? That Obviously there's been Jimmy Savile, there's been a few others, um, that it can be so widespread and nothing's Mm -hmm. done. So many people know, the whole town knows, Mm -hmm. clearly the people in authority, the police, the party, whatever, Mm -hmm. and um, they just let it go on.
0: Yeah. And I think I think we have to recall. I, I'm older than you, Mark, but uh, you know I recall from being when pe- when I was young that people had a different view of child abuse. It was sort of almost laughed about. It was you know the guy down the street you got to watch him, but nobody took it very seriously. Uh, whereas nowadays, thankfully, not least because of some of this campaigning, people take it rightly much more seriously. But at one stage, it was just a bit of a sort of dirty joke that people mm. joked about. Comedians yeah. would joke about it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm going back to the sixties and the seventies and even into the eighties. It was never really taken seriously as a crime. It seems madness now, but but mm. this is the reality of what it was like, and that clearly helped people like Saville Smith get away with it. Not about that. Mm.
1: It, it just seems bizarre in today's sort of environment that that, that, that went on. But mm. I suppose views change, and, and also sort of research, and then. Y- you know, you see the effect that it has on these kids um, many years later. I, I, you know, and I, I think maybe people are, are more alive to all that now. So now, more's done about it. Well, you you hope it is. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if, you know, in the likes of um, you know these grooming gangs, I wonder if that still continues in in certain areas. Um, I don't know. You uh, there, there will you know, be instances of that, yeah.
0: and there's no doubt about it that child abuse continues. Uh, and they are very adept, I mean studied this subject, very adept at how they operate and mm. how they target uh, vulnerable people, just like Smith did. Uh, they have a modus operandi in terms of how they approach it, and they think that they're in the right, they think it's acceptable when it t- quite obviously isn't, so it will still be going on, but we're more yeah. alert to it I think yeah,
1: yeah. I, I I've got a four year old now and obviously we we're, we're constantly watching where he is yeah. and who who he's with and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, because thankfully we've we've heard about all this, and I, I must admit, when it was initially with the Catholic Church and everything, I used to think, "Well, is this just the papers and whatever?" But you know, they were really doing it, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 everybody believes it now, which yeah. is which is obviously important. Um, okay, so um, I'm bound to talk about landlords tax yeah. um, and you know, this constant, probably really, I mean, it was before 2016, but it really got going officially, I, I feel like in 2016 um, with George Osborne uh, and Section 24. So the inability to offset all the mortgage interest against the rent, which I think we spoke about, mm-hmm. uh, stamp duty going up, you know, for, for landlords buying properties, but then sort of rafts and rafts of legislation that has mm-hmm. continued to be piled on, um, you know whether it's right to rent checks. You know there's Legionella checks. Maybe, you know you you know all the safety testing, the the layers of safety testing that have to go on in a, yeah. a rental property. Um, you know the the banning of any sort of letting agency fees. Or you know that, that's just a small portion. And now landlords are being hit with. Um, you know, um, the, the repealing of the Section 21, which means that um, they can't gain vacant possession of their property unless they're going to sell it and maybe for some other reasons. Um, there's a clear direction of movement here um, and, you know, it, 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 I, I'm sure some of it is tax but some of it isn't. What? Why do you think the government have taken this, this tax because, of course, in the end, The the only people that can pay for this are the customers, Mm. the tenants. Uh, As we can see, rents since 2016 around here, they've nearly doubled. Um, Mm. So now we've got the evidence, not just landlords moaning, oh, they would say that the evidence is there. So you know, this is sort of basic economics, isn't Mm. it? You reduce the supply of something, uh, the price goes up. They're not really helping the tenants. What? Why? Are they What's the motivation? I don't. I don't really understand. Uh, yeah, I think I
0: suspect what the government are trying to do is sort of respond and react to what uh, some of their own uh, members of parliament are saying to them. Yeah. So they've got, and, and there are instances of this happening in London. I, I, I currently rent in London. Yeah. Uh, I own in Rochdale. Uh, and I've been a reluctant landlord as well in times gone by. So I know how yeah. difficult it is yeah. to get the get repossession yeah. of your own property. Yeah. I've I've experienced that. Six, myself. six
1: to nine months. Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and but in answer to your question, I think uh, the government are reacting to some individual uh, MPs' experiences from their constituents. But but the, the bigger issue here is really immigration. Mm. Uh, so you've lots more people coming into the country. Uh, we had the figures for last year for 2022. I forgot what it is. Something like four or five hundred thousand extra people. I think it was six hundred and sixteen. Yeah, no, you're right. Mm. Uh, thousand net, mi-
1: net migration. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and we might get onto this. I live in Dolphin Square yeah. in uh, London. That is heavily populated by Chinese students. Uh, is
1: it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I mean, from our stories, I'd, I'd got in my head. Oh, it's mainly MPs and oh, people. Well, It's
0: a real mixture. There's 1,300 properties. Uh, Some are short term lets. That's some of the strategy for the landlord. Fair enough. Some are being renovated. Uh, And a proportion of uh, Chinese students. Who are presumably very wealthy because yeah. it's not a it's not a cheap place to no. live. No, uh, but that inevitably pushes rents up, doesn't mm. it? Of course. And so the reason I say it's related to immigration, if you have so many more people coming into the country, then as you've just pointed out, economically, uh, we we have fewer properties available. Yeah. And we certainly aren't building enough properties. We no. should be at least be building two hundred and forty thousand properties a year, and we are nowhere near that. Perhaps about half. Uh, so this is the the. Re- situation the government aren't addressing uh, either immigration they're allowing too many people to come into the country so students can bring in uh, family members that there is no reason for that policy at all I think about 80,000 of the 600,000 that you mentioned were, were family members yeah. you do, if they come into study they don't need to bring, and they were advised not to allow that to happen uh, so this is uh, uh, having a, co- a result on rental values, mm. uh, it's making harder for people to rent and so you have constituents like you do in Dolphin Square going to their local Conservative MP and saying uh, the landlord is treating us like this, mm. they're putting the rents up like that, uh, they're neglecting us in certain ways. Uh, And then the MP is making representations to her government, Mm -hmm. uh, which is saying we need to control private landlords. Yeah. And and so you can see where it stems from. Uh, And by not addressing this over here, immigration, you end up creating a problem over there. Yeah. And so the government are tinkering around with the private rented sector. The reality is it's a really important and a growing uh, an increasingly important part of the mix in terms of, you know, because council housing has practically died a death. We mm. still have social housing. People still like to buy a uh but rental is a, a, a more crucial part of the mix than it ever has been, and we should encourage that. And
1: uh, and and is and is getting smaller now. Yes. It is reducing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, be, because of course, there's there's a couple of things going on here. Obviously. Yes, there's migration. I was going to come on to that, uh, which is a big part of this. But, you know, it, in in addition to that, it, it's the mix between how many are owning and how many are renting. Because, of course, landlords are being driven out. Now, obviously, Michael Gober would say, well, all right, if there's one less landlord, that property doesn't disappear. Somebody buys it and a first time buyer might have it. And, you know, there's not a bad argument for that. But. It doesn't encourage a, um, a flexible and, and, and dynamic labour um, sort of labour force. Um, you know, having a, a decaying rental sector. Mm. Um, yes, I know they want to sort of the government want more tax out of it, and maybe this is one of the solutions. And yes, I can understand lots. You know, MPs are coming to them on an individual basis saying, "Well, I've got this issue or whatever." But as a strategy. It doesn't seem to make any sense at all that, that, that rents have doubled since 2016 because they've reduced the rental supply mm. of, of, of properties. Yeah. It's, where is the strategy?
0: Uh, well, I think there is often no strategy. And I, I think, I mean, in terms of the really bigger picture in terms of uh, politics, I think that's what we've been lacking, isn't it? We've continually had a change of Prime Minister uh, and uh, we lack a vision as a country. And so at the macro economic and political level, we really don't have a vision for where we should be going and what we should be doing. And we have had that in the past, you know, where government has worked more cohesively across departments, whether it's the Treasury, the community local government select, uh, the community local government department, business department, more working in unison to try and achieve an outcome and a better goal for the greater good of the country but we just haven't had that and I'm not being partisan about this, I'm not in any political party now uh, but we haven't had that for quite a considerable time, and so one aspect of government doesn't know what the other's doing, and what the repercussions are for for a particular strategy over here doesn't suit what's going on over there. But
1: why haven't we had that? And why? Um, what I know we're in this sort of I don't know four or five year election cycle, the Fixed Term Parliament mm-hmm. Act, and uh, you can see every you know MPs and you know the, the government are, are looking towards the next election all the time, but. You know, there was an election every four or five years. You know, twenty, thirty, forty years ago, yeah, yeah. Um, before that Act. Why? Why is this gone? Why? Mm. Why is the the strategy disappeared? And why? Why is there not somebody smart, mm. you know, in an eco, economic sense, mm. running the show? I thought that's what Rishi was. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. isn't he just doing more of the same? This this spin, you know, yeah. A, nonsense.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> it is about political leadership. It's just like in business. It's it always comes down to leadership. In this instance, political leadership, uh, and. And we could a- analyse each individual prime minister. Bo- Boris, you know, f- for all his talents, he has faults as well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, to say the least. Uh, but but some of that is around, uh, you know, uh, not being able to direct very well. You know, yeah. not being able to create a, a strong vision. It uh, could deal with the day to day. He's very popular on the doorstep and all yeah. the rest of it, but not in terms of giving a vision. I actually, and then we had Liz Truss, which is probably, you know, I mean, it's a blip in the whole of it. Uh, she probably wasn't really given a chance. The markets uh, went against her very quickly. And uh, I'd never really been a Rishi Sunak fan, but I do think is he's something of a technocrat. Uh, he keeps his head. He is now in a position where he's, he's forging forward trying to ignore the yeah. Boris uh, Shaw uh, and get on with running the government. Yeah. And you might finally get uh, some stronger leadership from Rishi. I do think he has some vision. Uh, He's set out some priorities for the next 12 months, reducing inflation, you know, some targets which you would do in business. So that's to be welcomed, growing the economy, paying off the national debt. So there is some vision there. Uh, but whether he gets a chance to prove himself between now and the general election is is a different matter. So you need consistency. It Takes
1: time, doesn't it? It takes time. Look it, at Margaret it's like an Thatcher. Oil tanker. Absolutely. And, and yeah. the results don't show. You, you put no. the hard yards in. What the first four years? Maybe yes. you get the results six, seven, eight years. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So for for you know Blair, Blair had many years at it, and you know he has his faults, just like all of us. Uh, But he did create some cohesion within government. Mm. And don't forget, we particularly see this, and it's an important point, is that we have a civil service, the blob as it's now called, uh, that are really not signed up for the elected government's agenda. So you look it at the home office. Doesn't seem that way, does no, it? They certainly not. Well, this this is going to be my next question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They are yeah. leaking left, right, and centre. Yeah. So whoever's home secretary, if that home secretary is not on the left, and they won't be because it's a yeah. conservative government, that's yeah. what we elected, uh, then they're against them. Yeah. So Ella Braverman and her points, like you know, driving,
1: speeding points, that's come from civil servants. Yeah.
0: That? Come from anywhere else. Well,
1: this is what I thought. I mean, I I, I was I was going to say the same about Pretty Patel. Mm. I, I I got the feeling. that that those two women actually did want to do something about immigration and, and, and stop the small boats, yeah. um, but why is it that the the person in government whose responsibility is and and, and would appear to have the part uh, the power to do something about this and also look like they actually wanted to do something about it? Why is it they don't seem to be able to? Mm.
0: It's because the civil service rallies against them. Uh, There's no doubt about that. I had coffee earlier this week with somebody who had been uh, a senior advisor to David Cameron, and he asked these very questions. And you know, he said perhaps the solution is the American model, which is where when the president comes in yeah. or the new party takes over, yeah. then they bring in their own people to yeah. run things. Yeah, and I think we have to, we certainly have to do something different in this. S- something's context. got to happen, hasn't
1: mm. it? I, I, I suppose it is good having these people who are continually there and not on the four or five year cycle Mm. for the reasons we've just mentioned. But I don't know, maybe it's the more junior people stay, you know, they know how to run the ship and and then the the, the senior management gets changed or something. It's just bizarre, isn't it? It, it, Because she, uh, you know, now if Suella Braverman's been there a while, it's just the same thing as before, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, they they don't seem to be able to deal with these mandarins.
0: No, no, absolutely. And and we've talked about uh, leadership over the last few years, Boris, Truss, Sunak. I actually don't think it will be any better under Keir Starmer. I, I, I I haven't decided how I will vote yet, Uh, but I don't get a strong sense that he will provide a strong vision that would suit my kind of politics so I'm tradition I've always been traditional Labour tough on illegal immigration, tough on benefit cheats and that we're not going to get that from North London Labour which is what Keir Starmer is, it's what Ed Miliband was, it's what Jeremy Corbyn was so I'm concerned about a Labour government and how effective they will be.
1: Well okay so the public finances have clearly got a lot worse since covid mm. prior to that every you know if you look back every five years even since you know i i became sort of politically and financially conscious maybe in the 90s but all i can ever remember was taxes going up and the public finances getting worse now okay some of that you know i was younger at the time and some of that will have been the perception from the media but mm. you know ever since i've really understood that stuff it, it you know, and, and, and understand under, understood how government raises its its money through taxation. It it just seems, especially for business and anybody earning any money, it just seems to have got worse and worse and worse and worse. Mm. What what's at the root of that? Why, why 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 are you know the, the the public finances. You know the, the the budget. Why does it keep going up? Mm. And they're not. You know, local councils have been decimated. They go mm. through these constant rounds of. Um, well, maybe they don't cut spending in in some areas mm. enough. But um, I, I don't understand why why we've just been on this trajectory. Mm. And I presume it. it, it, it It started a long time before that.
0: And I think it's different issues at different times. I think that's the reality of it. I mean, just addressing the local government situation, I can't remember a day or a month that's gone by when local authorities don't don't complain about not getting enough money. You know what I mean? Wherever you are in the country, they think they should get more and and they know how best to spend it is what they would argue. So I think some of their complaints falls on... Uh, empty years you yeah, know yeah. people don't want to hear it but in terms of the the national economy we, you know we had the uh, mortgage financial crisis around 2008 did massive uh, created massive problems didn't it yeah. so the, you know we had to prop up the banks yeah yeah uh, then after that we've, we've had the pandemic you get the war in ukraine that yeah. increases energy yeah. costs. so there's always something putting pressure on
1: But there, there's um, always something you know yes, b- before yeah. that you know mm. i don't know you know i wasn't particularly conscious but you know we had erm didn't we in mm. the 90s yeah you had myras you know that, that yeah. you know you you all the oil shocks you mm. know and, and inflation going absolutely nuts in in the 70s uh you, you know you had all sorts of scandal in the 80s the, you know, within every 10 year time frame that there's a big economic shock, yeah, um, sure. it, that's no different.
0: No, it isn't, and, and but but and you alluded yeah. to it that the media is very good, in, especially in the United Kingdom, at telling us how bad things are. Yes, and, and uh, I'm not saying it's brilliant by any yeah. stretch, pe- people are really struggling. Uh, but one of the biggest issues at this moment is that we have you know, not full employment but not far off. We have lots of people employed. Mm. Uh, Unemployment is exceptionally low. But we have 23 million people in the United Kingdom who are of working Mm. age Mm. economically inactive. Mm. Now some will be students, some will be carers who can't do something else. But surely out of 23 million, they could f- fill the vacancies that are required yeah. uh, and there are vacancies uh, there are there will be employers calling out for staff and employees yeah. uh, and we need to do more to get some of the 23 million people uh, back into making a contribution
1: isn't isn't the world of commerce business uh, you know and, and the world of work isn't it doesn't it boil down to that word incentive you know surely if those people are incentivized to go and work, i.e., it didn't cost them more than they were claiming on, I don't know, housing benefit, income support, yeah. um, and and tax credits and all that sort of stuff. Then. They might want to do it, um, and they weren't paying you know, huge amounts of income tax to it. I mean, surely you can yeah. incentivise these, incentivize yeah. these people to, to go back to work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And some of universal credit, the concept of universal credit, creating one benefit yeah. uh, instead of several that you have to join up, made sense. And Labour have now bought into the idea, they were condemning it at one stage, but now they've bought into the Conservatives' idea of doing that. But you're right, it's finely tuned in terms of the finances for individuals. They will weigh up whether it's worth mm. going to work or whether it's more attractive, and they're incentivized to stay out of work. And it, it has to be better tuned than what it is currently.
1: Well, that, that must be the conclusion of the, of those 23 million people. I don't know what number aren't you know genuinely sick or yeah, yeah. you know their their kids at school or whatever, but it's got to be at least five million of them yeah, that, yeah. That, that you would have thought, wouldn't you, just on a, a very you know, you, you make it worth their while, surely they're gonna go back to work, or at least part-time. I mean, imagine there's a load of mothers, you know, paying for nursery care, which I'm, we've just come out the back of. I mean, yeah. it's, it's bloody, exp- I think it was yeah. nine grand a year yeah, yeah. for a nursery. I mean, yeah. how does that work yeah. for the average person? I, yeah. I can't get my head around how a lot of mothers would want to go to work and just pay, pay yeah. all that money for no, a nursery. Right. And, and so one of yeah. you is
0: just working to subsidise the yeah. uh, childcare provision. Yeah so, yeah, so most of them just that.
1: conclude that, yeah, yeah. well, I'd just better stay at home and do it myself then. Yeah, yeah. that's
0: right. And, and, and it's a really complex picture. Some of those uh, will have mental health issues. Yeah. Uh, and many of them will be foreign students who, when I was a yeah. student, I had a part time job that was nearly full time whilst yeah. I was studying full time. Yeah. Uh, so perhaps students don't work part-time as much or if with more foreign students who are wealthy they certainly don't take up part-time employment because they don't they can afford not to. to. Uh, Mental health services if you neglect and mental health provision over here as a government you are affecting that 23 million not helping them get back into uh, employment so it's a complex picture but it's all you know Gordon Brown introduced tax credits Mm. was that a good thing effectively government subsidising wages by, you know, topping up wages for for employers. Is that good? Could that be redrawn or rebalanced to try and get employees to pay more? Many employers will lobby government to allow more immigration so that wages can be kept down. But that's an easy solution. Instead of adopting technology or developing productivity, they'll just try and import cheap labour. That's not a solution. Well,
1: it, th- this this was. W- I was wondering when we started talking about immigration and and how you know Pretty and uh, Suella braidman have been I- ineffectual. You know, I was wondering if you were going to say that actually, um, yes, maybe they want to make these changes, but the Treasury are railing against it because they think that more people coming in, grows the economy, and fixes some of the financial issues. That that is exactly right. The Treasury
0: will be making that argument that that immigration helps grow GDP. Uh, But that's a very blunt instrument. And, you know, 23 million people not in employment, some of them will be... uh, uh, calling on uh, will be immigrants that are calling on public services whether it's the NHS education schools all that's got to be paid for we've got people coming into the country who aren't even identified so the 600,000 we were talking they're about they're the legal ones they're the legal yeah, yeah, yeah. ones that have come in not yeah. the ones that have never been found well, and it, there's it, plenty of those in 50, the informal 60, economy. 60,000
1: potentially uh, are just coming over on boats. yeah yeah And Circo are spending seven million a day, which is, I think, two, two and a half billion a year. I mean, most of those aren't working. In fact, I don't think they can work.
0: No, they're not allowed to
1: work. No, No. if you're
0: seeking asylum, you cannot work. And, and returning it to rental levels and to my constituency of Rochdale that I used to represent, that we had the second highest number of asylum seekers placed in, in Rochdale, second highest in the country. So we were taking a disproportionate number of asylum seekers because rent levels in Rochdale are exceptionally low. Mm-hmm. So, Serco, whoever yeah. else, would look for the cheapest rents, and uh, someplace in the northeast, in Merseyside but Rochdale was the second highest in the country and, and it's all good and well, people like Keir Storm are wanting an open door immigration policy. Uh, the, the asylum seekers aren't being placed in uh, his North London constituency, they're being placed in uh, the North West and, and yeah. in Rochdale yeah. and that's a real issue for local residents.
1: Yeah, of course, they, uh, well, I, I don't know what the solution is but they, they don't really seem interested in in quelling it because surely I, I know there's this you know the uh, I've got it, is, is it ECHR uh, mm. that they've got to deal with yes, and, and yeah. various other legislation. Yeah. But oh, god, they can do that surely. I mean, well, the the, cons- the Labour have voted is against in.
0: Labour have voted against stronger illegal immigration legislation. So the oh, idea why? that they're going to... well because because that's the, the ideology. Yeah, if yeah. that if they're honest about it, yeah. that is the ideology. They, they have a Generally, have an open borders policy, yeah. but they just won't say that publicly. Yeah. Uh, but they yeah. are proving it by how they vote in parliament.
1: Yeah. So um, you touched on sort of Blair earlier. So you've got Corbyn, uh, well Blair, then Corbyn, and and very probably Starmer shortly. Mm. Um, <clears throat> where are you on that spectrum? Are you are you a Corbynite?
0: Uh, certainly not a Corbyn. Item. The Financial, this, financial Times described me as Corbyn's fiercest internal critic uh, when I was in the Labour Party. Uh, I'm proud to say, I, I like to think I played a part in uh, ensuring that neither Ed Miliband nor Jeremy Corbyn became Prime Minister. And so I was never overly partisan. I, 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 so I, I think that politicians should do what they think is best for the country, not what is best for their party. Uh, we which is an exceptional view. It's not the most common view held. And I didn't think Ed, Ed Miliband was right. David was very good, I have to say. Uh, I was a supporter of David Miliband. Uh, but Ed wasn't right to be Prime Minister. Corbyn certainly wasn't right to be Prime Minister. And been I been a, said so.
1: I mean, that would have um, been a disaster. I mean, we yeah. we were all... I, I suppose I was worried. Um, I've learnt not to get too worried because often they say one thing and do another. But with Corbyn, I was pretty sure that... It, I mean, they weren't even going to give him the, um, the, the the sort of nuclear button, were they? <laughs> it would have been disastrous. <laughs> it, they, had, yeah, they, right? they weren't. Gonna, he wasn't going to be in Cobra meetings. Yeah. I mean, it was just a bizarre scenario. Yeah. Um, so so Blair, we, we've spoken, you know, previously. Good communicator. Very good communicator.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah um, and there aren't lots of that. You, you know, they, they they come come by spasmodically, don't they? Margaret Thatcher was a great communicator, Tony Blair, Nigel Farage is a great communicator. Boris is very relatable. I won't say he's a great communicator, he's not a great stand-up speaker, yeah. he's not a very good performer in the House of Commons, in the Chamber, uh, but he does a good after-dinner speech and that. But he can, he can relate to people, even yeah. though he's from a relatively posh background, mm-hmm. he can relate to people much better than Keir Starmer can. Yeah, but the, the big ones, Blair, Farage, really have the ability to communicate and, and Understand it's not just about being able to speak to people. Yeah. It's a being about it's being about being able to interpret what people want and think yeah. uh, and want, you know, the direction of the country to go in. Yeah, and then
1: package up their responses uh, as a response to what those wants and needs are, which yeah. is very powerful. Yeah. I, I um, Yeah, when I was growing up, I used to watch Blair and and Bill Clinton speaking, and I still think those two, yeah, um, Clinton is uh, just on another level. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. And actually, to see George Bush come later, (laughs) she's just like, you know, what's happened here? You know, and then you realise that they're not all that good.
0: No, but but different uh, leaders have different attributes as well. Gordon, yeah, that's you know? true. I mean, Gordon, true. Gordon Brown was yeah. a phenomenal economist. You could argue, yeah. And you know, not not many giving credit for helping sort out the world recession that we talked about. But but he, he did a lot a, there, he didn't he? He played a significant yeah. part in it. He wasn't very good as prime minister, was he? But um, I, I yeah.
1: don't think he was a communicator, was he? Exactly. Um, yeah, and, and that, a lack
0: of emotional intelligence. Uh, that didn't work, did it? It didn't when he met Gillian Duffy on well. the election trail in. Rome. When uh, when I were trying to get elected, yeah, yeah, so uh, sat in the
1: back of the car and made some comments. Yeah, and, uh, that's yeah, right, the bigoted yeah. woman. Yeah,
0: yeah, the bigoted woman. yeah so,
1: uh, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, anything else you'd like to? to add Simon uh, or, you know any 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 sort of final comments
0: no I don't think so I, I, I'm pleased to learn more about your business and what you're doing in terms of the <laughs> private rented sector and, and the training that you do I think that's to be welcomed I think creating better understanding in that area is, is good uh, so I'm pleased that you're doing that and I wish you all the success in business uh, and perhaps we'll, we'll meet again and have a chat you know as we get closer to a general election should make it fun perhaps.
1: It, it, well there's going to be a lot happening isn't yeah. there over the next year it's uh, it's going to get spicy uh yeah i think i think the uh it's going to be all change isn't it but oh, we don't really know what Starmers going to do i mean he he's been very closed book hasn't he trying to appeal to you know, all all sort of churches.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, and, then, and, and yeah. He think his strategy is to not put too much out there. Right. Uh, he'll take the view that the Conservatives are losing it, yeah. uh, and and so that's helping him. He just
1: needs to do nothing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, and not trip up.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so he's beginning to put out some policies. I mean, I mean, the idea of stopping any new oil and gas development in the North Sea. Uh, very controversial, not a policy I support. I mean, it I, is madness. I,
1: complete and utter madness yeah. to me. Yeah. As, as yeah. Rishi Sunak yeah. said
0: to him uh, at Prime Minister's questions, uh, this is, uh, he said the pre- your predecessor, Ed Miliband had a policy, British jobs for British people. Yeah. Uh, this is British jobs for Russian people. Yeah. I mean, he's just transfer. we're gonna carry on buying you gas. got to, yeah, it's not are. gonna stop, it. is <laughs> it? Is that what
1: like, are we gonna do? Just, so what is that about? It, so when he has come up with policies, a lack of surely a lack of understanding. Yes, for what the re, what well, the final result's going to be? And,
0: and listening too much to Ed Miliband, uh, right, which yeah. I think is dangerous. Uh, this guy lost the 2015 general election for Labour. I think Keir is too close to Ed. Listening too much. The no, other policy no, that, now, now, no, he's that, listening to him now. Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think he has is here. He's yeah. Here. Uh, 28 billion they're committing to borrowing uh, to fund a, a green jobs plan mm. that's a substantial amount of money Rachel Reeves you can see now trying to roll back from that policy mm. clearly an Ed Miliband policy yeah so whilst he's trying to stay quiet not say too much on policy yeah uh, when Kia does say something on policy particularly around the environment because it's yes. Ed Miliband's brief uh, is is coming a cropper, actually. Yeah, uh, It'll be interesting to see how it develops.
1: And and you wouldn't necessarily expect that because one of my bugbears is you, you look at ministers and they're sort of, you know, they're not really trained for their portfolio yeah. and they're there, I mean, housing, I don't know how many we've had mm. in the last mm. sort of decade, but it, or even five years, mm. it's been a huge amount. Um, but I saw Rachel Reeves and I thought, oh, she's an economist, so mm. maybe that's a good start. But if she's giving start of these ideas um, I mean is she a heavyweight
0: oh she's certainly an heavyweight uh, <laughs> she's rallying against Ed Miliband I mean this is the internal nature of Labour politics yeah. so you've got Ed Miliband very much North London uh, literally neighbors with Kia yeah. they're very close Kia listens to him. Ed's in his office a lot. This is this is the gossip. This is what yeah, I'm giving you yeah, some yeah. inside gossip yeah, yeah. here. Uh, Rachel uh, and he's responsible for the environment in the shadow cabinet, uh, so he's bending Kia's ear to all yeah. these policies: the Green Deal, uh, the oil and gas yes. stoppage, uh, and Rachel Reeves. I suspect is rallying against it, saying we can't afford to go into a general election borrowing 28 billion pound, you know, this is unrealistic. Yeah. So you can see some of the comments, she she was recently in the US and interviewed, she was railing back from the 28 billion policy, you know. Yeah,
1: I saw that, I mean, yeah. I wonder if, I wonder how much of this is a response to the US Inflation Reduction Act, which yeah. is actually just, um, you know, a new green deal with with, with different clothes on, Yeah. you know, that them sort of saying, well, we're, we're going to develop all these new forms of energy, which I'm, I'm sure is great and maybe good for the economy in, in the long run. But it's going to take a long time to get there. And what do you do in between yeah, exactly. you know, to generate all this power that we need? Because uh, nuclear is not going to, you know, it's not it's not going to cut it. And we
0: should have been doing that years ago. Well, I mean, that's a failure of government past, you know, labour and conservative.
1: One to two decades ago, yeah. they should have planned yeah, all of absolutely. these um, because, you know, for all the base load, yeah. you know, that's that's surely, you know, you have that. Yes, you over time you reduce the oil and gas, but yeah. um, you need nuclear and 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 you know you can't you know the wind the wind doesn't blow all the time you know you don't clearly here you don't get Sun a lot of the year uh, I've got friends with huge fields with diesel engines just sitting there um, latent not not operating which they're getting paid for yeah. uh, and they're the, the the effective backstop for all of this green energy Fairly. Uh, yeah because yeah. you know if, if you've got a, a wind turbine turning um, you know the battery technology doesn't really work yeah. so you know in in the ground you've got uh, a huge amount of uh, these coils which which just basically waste all of the energy that that's generating if the grid doesn't want it at that moment yeah. it doesn't usually go it doesn't go into batteries right, uh, yeah. because that technology's not far enough on yeah. so you've got uh, a situation where those only really work when you know the, the grid needs the energy and the wind is blowing you know well the yeah. sun is shining yeah, yeah um so you need these other things like nuclear to create the baseload as part of the mix and uh, again it just where's the strategy yeah, why why is no you surely this is it's the job of the civil service to to look at that and sort of go this is what we need to do i'm not getting sacked in four or five years probably yeah. so you know i need to hold this brief for the next lot and persuade them that yeah. this is what's important for the country but and other countries are better at this. You look at yeah. Scandinavia in terms yeah. of planning
0: and having a, a smarter forward strategy. Yeah. Uh, but we've been very poor at some of that, no data, it. And then you end up with a war like Ukraine and all mm. of a sudden we've got an energy crisis. Well, now we because, understand uh, it. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. uh, see but, the effects. But one thing is for sure, mm. turning the tap off in the North Sea immediately yeah. is not the solution. So why are you saying that, Keir Starmer? I do not know.
1: Well, electricity and gas has tripled. Mm. Um, you know, to the consumer um you know in round terms maybe it 's more like two two maybe it 's two and a half times mm. two times it's settled that, but it had tripled and it was going up eight times yeah. a year ago, and you know that really focused our mind because we we 're paying a lot of energy bills. this will make it worse yeah um so it uh, yeah it's just Bizarre. I think there's all yeah. to
0: play for, though. I think we're a fair way out from a general election. A lot, a lot can happen in in twelve months' time, actually. Mm. So uh, it's one to watch. It's going to be one of the more fascinating ones, I think.
1: Yes. Mm. Yeah, oh, it will be. Mm. It'll be very interesting. Mm. Yeah. Thank you very much, Simon. I I appreciate you coming on. I've yeah. enjoyed it. Thank you. Hope Good to, to see, see you shortly. Thanks. That has been Mark Homer and Simon Danchuk for Mark My Words. This podcast is available on iTunes and all of the other major podcast streaming services.